0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Health Shift, my podcast that bridges the gap between conventional modalities and ancient healing for complete mind, body, and spirit well being. I'm here to help you make a shift. And please note that the discussions are not medical advice, nor should they be used in place of medical assessments and treatments. So let's dive right in. Today, I'd like to welcome Sarah. Sarah is a concierge, health consultant, artist health and wellness expert, guide in the space in between, kitchen alchemist. Boy, I've used that word before as well, alchemy in the kitchen. And man, we have a lot in common. So I am so excited to have her here. Yeah. Sarah has always been wildly curious about the human experience. Her career has spanned over 24 years in allopathic medicine, specializing in mind-body medicine. While on her journey to health and optimal wellness, she experienced some deeper truths of health, especially working within healing chronic disease. Her personal journey with life and health has taken her around the world, studying various cultures and acquiring a vast array of knowledge about different modes of health and healing. Sarah works deeply with deep knowledge of the body, how it works and the true origins of health and disease. Wow. We are in for a treat today. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me,
1: Julie. You are welcome. Yes.
0: Yeah. So tell us your story, how you got here today.
1: (laughs) How much time do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I, I definitely took the, the meandering path in my career and, the reason why we have 24 years of experience on that on that bio is that I started actually in high school doing um, my nurse's aid and then went on to get my associate's degree in nursing and then bachelor's and finished out at Georgetown with a family nurse practitioner. And for most of my career, I actually specialized in cardiac and critical care and worked in the hospital and just really had a lot of teaching but also a lot of really intense acute care experience of people absolutely you know on the brink of death life-saving interventions and surgeries and all kinds of different things like that so it was really deeply meaningful but it was also heartbreaking and you kind of had to really get into that space of putting up the barrier to mm-hmm. <laughs> be able to even deal with it and I'm very much um an empathic person and it really started to grind on I me and I could see the writing on the wall with a lot of the people that were I was working with that were beyond jaded You know and they had health issues and those sort of things that were happening and so i started to pull back and i was able to get into the cardiac critical care unit where we were doing more like stents and pacemakers and that sort of thing and people are actively dying of heart attacks and so i had a few moments that were really pivotal one of them was a guy that had come in and he was literally dying if we hadn't have opened him up with a stent, he, he would have died of a massive heart attack. And he literally saw the light and he's talking to the cardiologist. I'm kind of standing there. And he he asked, okay, what do I do? I want to get better. I don't want this to happen again. And the cardiologist said
0: to him, don't change a thing. I cured you.
1: Mm-hmm. Do whatever
0: you want. Oh my God. They just gave me the chills. <laughs> and I'm like,
1: he's ready for change. Like he couldn't be more motivated for change. And you say something like that to him. Wow. And so as much as I knew what I was doing was deeply meaningful in my own personal journey with health, I was always super into psychology and I was always a why child. And so on my personal path, I got into like food labeling, food systems, farm bill. Um, I was a regional leader for the Prop 37 campaign to label GMOs in California. So
0: <laughs> i really
1: into it. And so I would read the labels of everything. If I didn't know the ingredient, I would Google it. And so just found out all these really interesting things, got into supplements. And so all these paths started kind of pulling apart where I could not really be in the hospital anymore Mm -hmm. and i started also to get into mind body medicine and integrative health and subconscious reprogramming and so what was really fascinating about that is it gets into your belief system on health and the placebo effect and these aren't outliers like these are major statistically significant results where you see that your belief actually affects your health. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then you correlate that with epigenetics, which is the study of how genes are expressed. They're either off or on. And so they can be on in the positive way and they can be off in the negative way. And, And there's a lot of different combinations, but basically what it gets down to is exercise and eating well and all turns not only the good genes on, but it turns the bad ones off.
0: Yes. Yes. And so it
1: completely changes like this idea of personal responsibility versus the, the current medical model, which is more like feudalistic. And if your father had hypertension and a heart attack, that's what you were going to die of. Right. You actually can influence your health. And so that's where I started to see that I couldn't work in the hospital system anymore. So in 2018, I set out on my own. I have my own mind-body medicine practice. And I work with a lot of different modalities, mostly in subconscious reprogramming. And I've gotten into mostly about intuitive eating and intuitive health. And what that uh, taps into is that no diet or exercise or any sort of thing is one size fits all.
0: Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah.
1: Um, I was vegan for five years and my hair started falling out and I was doing all the right supplements and everything I could possibly do to, you know, have that work for me. And it just didn't. And so I'm really passionate about not saying, oh, here, follow my diet regimen you know, it's really about what's true for the person, what they will actually do. Mm -hmm. Very true. (laughs) Yeah. We
0: can make recommendations, but they have to follow through. Yeah. Exactly.
1: (laughs) So I don't know. It's been a really interesting path and it's not like one thing that you could ever look at my, my CV and say, oh, this is what she does. It's like,
0: yeah. I can so relate to that. You know, it's, it's funny. I I left the the RD world, the registered dietitian world, although I still use it and I value my education, but I'm so far removed from that particular role, but trying to reeducate people that you're not the dietitian with the hairnet in the basement of the hospital is so hard.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know we connected on that where you started listing some of the classes and you know, modalities you've gotten into. And it's like, oh, we, we've, we've been on a similar path. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so, it's, it's so interesting. I was just actually doing a webinar this morning on what is personalized medicine and nutrition, because there's so many different names for what that is. And I said, I'm going to talk about it from my perspective, but you know, this whole idea of epigenetics, we, you know, we can thank Jeffrey Bland for the physiology aspect of it and we can certainly yeah. thank Bruce Lipton for the mind body connection. I got to meet both of them in detail over the years and just absolutely love their work, you know, in terms yeah. of epigenetics. So, exactly. yeah, yeah. And then I um just to drop in another name if people are
1: interested in this is I also got really into Mario Martinez and he mm-hmm. dubbed himself a psychoimmunologist, which is just mm-hmm. really really interesting, but he is a person that like National Geographic would call for to investigate actual incidences of stigmata. So people bleeding from their hands or sometimes from their forehead. And um, it all has to do with belief. Like he would sit with them for a week and they would stop bleeding, but he'd leave and then it would come back. And I mean, it's, it's a big long story, but he goes into, different ways of looking at fibromyalgia and some of these things that are really deeply troubling to the current medical system, like it can't figure them out. Sure, It's all about belief and it's all about your personal environment, not just what you're physically eating, Mm -hmm. but what you're eating in your environment and how that influences you. And so that's a lot of what my work gets into is deprogramming guilt shame and obligation
0: yeah yep very true so we all live
1: in a judeo-christian society so even if you're atheist this influences so much i mean even our stop signs or sorry our stoplights. you know you know green and red and like you do this and blame and shame and all these different things the pointing of the finger as opposed to like Being a lot more in flow, like if you're in an Asian country and you watch the traffic and how they move like a school of fish, Mm -hmm. like our whole society is set up in this kind of black white sort of way Mm -hmm. that influences how we move about the world. And very dualistic,
0: yes. Exactly. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And so I really like to get into letting all of that go and moving into intentional living like I choose to do this because of this and you know that's where the subconscious reprogramming gets in because sometimes even if you choose to do this your old programming is running the show and so that's where the whole thing gets really interesting.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. Wow, wow, that is, uh, that's amazing. And what's interesting is it sounds like you also had your own sort of pivotal health challenges that kind of got you to dig deeper into this work. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, um, the biggest one
1: for me because it was so ongoing was I had acne when I was a kid,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like severe cystic acne. And then I actually went on Accutane, I think when I was 18, which is for people that aren't familiar, is very toxic. You have to be on two forms of birth control. You have to have a liver test. Like it's no joke. And actually now some uh, dermatologists won't even prescribe it to women because it can cause birth defects. Sure. And even years after you've been off of it. So I actually did that for two separate rounds and it was still coming back. And so it wasn't until
0: I... Yep, we had a little bit of a blip there, go ahead. (laughs) Okay, so my energy
1: teacher brought in this idea of internalized anger. I was like, what? I'm not angry. You know, I really viewed myself as like the good girl, but I didn't even know mm. what that archetype was at the time. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't angry at all. What are you talking about? You know? And so I can say this now in retrospect, but there are so many different layers to that and how it was expressing in my body. And it really was, it was, it came out of A childhood where I didn't feel safe to express my needs. And so that built up over time into resentment. And then it is, it does turn into anger when it's really, really long seated. Mm -hmm. And when it's internalized, then your body has extra heat and it comes out the only way it can. And so that's why it was expressing itself as acne or these heat, this heat coming up out of my skin. So it was actually a really efficient way for my body to be dealing with it. Sure. And so that's, how I started to see the body is our body is talking to us all the time Mm -hmm. and normally it starts out really quietly and then over time it gets what I like to call louder (laughs) yep I remember my loud time (laughs) and sometimes it gets really loud Yep. um but you know, I had a back injury too. And what I found with the things that happened to me is even though, I was so well-versed in the medical system, I had access to world-class physicians as my friends, I still could not figure out what was going on with me. Sure. And so that's when things really started to get interesting. I just kept on researching different things and trying different things. And I know now that's the true path of a, of a real healer is they normally seek out these things because they're trying to find answers for themselves. And in so doing that, you get wisdom that you can then share with others. Sure. So it makes it very personal and easy to
0: explore when you're that motivated to figure it out. There's, there's no doubt about that. You know, I, I oftentimes refer to myself as the per- perfect poster child for functional medicine because I've had hormonal issues my whole life and weird skin things. And then, you know, my crash and burn, my loud wake up call was when I developed a rare leukemia It took a couple of years to actually yeah. diagnose it. Um, my conventional, uh, doc, a hematologist, who was also a colleague of mine back in Boston said, I think this is Lyme, but I don't usually even look for Lyme because conventional medicine doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was a rare leukemia, but the following year I was diagnosed with Lyme. And then the following year I got a staph infection. So it was like three years of saying, Hey pal, you know, you have got to stop and rearrange your life. And what's so interesting is I developed my staph infection as a cyst in my left hamstring. So it was all about moving forward with your legs and the left side of the body, which is the female side and being able to take in love nourishment and nurturance and all of that stuff. Um, and as much as I was interested in all of this back in the seventies, when I was in undergraduate school for nutrition, mm-hmm. it wasn't until I had my own personal health crisis that I said, this is it. I'm, I'm just doing the deep dive and yes. started doing all, you know, all of that work, uh, at that yeah. time. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> it. And I love that
1: you touched on the specifics. I mean, they have whole, I mean. I guess technically they're still called theories of medicine, like new German medicine. Oh my goodness,
0: it's so fascinating. That's where I went, to Germany.
1: <laughs> and um, I mean, they have the, the, the cell types mapped out where they can track an abandonment wound to the cell type. And that's how then um, it expresses, it's mostly, it ends up being linked to breast cancer, which is a mm-hmm. fast, I mean, that was one of the most fascinating um, paths I learned about in their modality, but, um, I mean, you can get into the simplistic version of it where I literally have Louise. Hey, you can heal your life. Love that. I love that book. Use it all that's, the time. Yes, That's my Bible. It's literally by my bed. And you know, you have a little itch here or scratch or rash or pressure or pain. If you listen to it early enough, it actually has a correlating mantra like i feel safe in my body or you know it may be that you're worried about the past or worried about the future and when you see it in black and white it's a little bit shocking still to me sometimes Like that really is it Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it's very amazing i use that book all the time and and think about that you know with my patients as i'm listening to their stories Yeah. yeah Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about your assessment style, your work with clients now, who's your, you know, who's your target market and how do you, um, how do you work with them? Well, most of my
1: um, clients, I work one-on-one mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've got a couple different things I'm working with right now. The way that I love to work is one-on-one in kind of a month-long block. And I just really do a deep dive into everything, every aspect of their life. We do diet, we do movement, meditation, kind of life goals, some reading materials and that sort of thing. And... It's very rare that somebody can really look at the entire picture of a person and bring it all together. To me <laughs> it's about mind, body and spirit. And so and and you know it's it's a true soul expression like you know even if again if somebody's atheist they have missions or goals, or maybe they're into their legacy work. Like what do they want to leave behind? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people tend to be really heavy in one area. Like maybe they're really well-read and they've read all the latest books and that sort of thing, but they're kind of neglecting their body a bit. Mm-hmm. Out of touch, or- out of touch with, yeah. feeling, with feeling it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I like to bring all of those things together and just do a deep dive with the client and
0: um, the.
1: Um, but in the in the deep dive it's really fun because again I bring up like the atheist version it's because of my experience I can meet somebody no matter where they are. And I use their language. Mm -hmm. And also, again, with like the intuitive eating of the plans, I meet them where they're at. I ask them what they're eating now. And I don't say, okay, now you have to be vegan and drink green juice, even though you hate them and it probably won't (laughs) sustain. And it'll create all this resistance and it won't actually work because they don't like it and they're not happy. And they have so much of a barrier to really allowing that to heal their body because
0: belief affects healing even, mm-hmm. even if it's good for you. So that's, that's usually the first tip off it. Oh, if it's healthy, it's going to taste terrible. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, I really
1: meet people where they're at and that's, that's my favorite part of working with clients is it's just kind of almost figuring out their language. Sure. And, because behavioral change is
0: so, it's such a finicky thing for people. <laughs> and it's really it's really unique. You know, I I remember taking all my psych classes. I, you know, I, I did a double minor in education and psych with my nutrition degree. And, you know, we did behavioral modification and whatnot. And there was like specific guidelines for that. But when you think about it, it really is so individualized and specific for each person. You know, you can't just give them a B mod book and go, hey, go do this. You know, it doesn't work. Yeah.
1: And I mean, I know you come from functional medicine, you do this testing. So this isn't to like poo-poo it, but it's also really interesting. I don't do any lab work. Mm-hmm. I also don't work with really high acuity clients. I don't work with somebody who has, you know, who's in the Fibromyalgia or Lyme, you know, spectrum. Mm-hmm. But what I do think is interesting about all of that is, if if somebody's really far off, they do need the testing. But I also know that you can also get a lot of testing and spend a year doing elimination diets, mm-hmm. all these different mm-hmm. things, and you're going through the ringer, and you're doing everything that the person wants you to do. And basically what you're doing is knocking down inflammation. So you're going to get better overall,
0: but they're still treating on numbers. Yep. It's reductionistic. I, I brought that up in the, in the webinar today that I, I love aspects of functional medicine, yeah. but it still is a reductionistic model. And so yeah. I'm kind of, uh, I, I use parts of it. Yeah, But I don't order tests up the angle for people because I just don't feel that that's really a, an appropriate way to go either. So I really try to pick and choose from what I think is, is useful and listen to the body as opposed to just, you know, test exactly. it out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. And sometimes you do find a smoking gun, but actually rarely. And sometimes that smoking gun's a little misplaced because the body's in such an inflammatory state. Sure. Then once you get them out of that inflammatory state, they might not be allergic to that thing anymore. Correct. Yeah. And then then they almost have a complex and you you meet those people who can't eat anywhere, can't do anything, and it shuts down their life even more. And so I've seen a lot of that. Also me being vegan for five years, like that whole paradigm in health. Sure. And so I'm really passionate about doing things that work for the client where they're at.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, I've worked in the eating disorder realm for many, many years. Um, I'm not as active in it uh, at, at the present time, but one of my new clients who has, I, I work with a lot of chronic complex illness. So I do find testing helpful, but again, I don't just depend on that at all. Yeah. One of the things that I mentioned to her, is I said, you've got such a belief system in food rules that we need to blast away so that you can actually listen to your body in terms of what it needs, you know? So I, so, I so agree with you on that. Yeah. That's, um, you know, obviously eating
1: disorders again are on one very extreme spectrum. Um, and if, if people have a tendency to, to be in that realm, I also really like to get into letting their inner child eat for a month, like, no rules, absolutely mm-hmm. no rules. Because what they do, what people tend to do, is they tend to pendulum. And so when you take away all rules, it's actually really uncomfortable. If you tell someone that they can eat whatever they want, you actually start to get into the real beliefs that formed the problem in the first place.
0: Mm-hmm
1: because you're allowing this breath into this like really restricted area that most people aren't even aware of that they're doing that. And so when you take away the, oh, it's based on calories or, oh, it's based on this or that or the other, a lot of it, um, you know, it's like people aren't gaining weight from the chocolate cake. Per se, they're gaining weight from the guilt of eating the chocolate cake. <laughs> it's it's the perception of what it's going to do. There's a great book, it's called Why French Women Don't Get Fat. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, they eat cheese and drink wine and smoke cigarettes, and you know, they look like super bottles. And you're like, what, what's going on differently here? and it's one of the best examples of how we view food and how we treat that here in the United States. Sure, sure. And it's, it's about the belief of what the food will do and, and some overall just, um, there, there is a physiological component to it with a lot of the toxicities in our food. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. I mean, our our food supply is, is pretty, is pretty toxic, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 A lot of obesogens and and a lot of estrogens and xenoestrogens and all that kind of good stuff. So yeah. And 40 Mm. years of don't eat fat,
1: eat, you know,
0: oh my God. Yes. (laughs) No sugar (laughs) sort of they need, uh, low carb no carb, high protein, no protein yeah. you know high fat, low fat I've you know I've been doing this oh my god you know for over 40 years, about 43, 44 years now so I have seen every single fad pendulum swing back and forth and some things they go, oh my God did I really say that to my clients back 30 years ago so you know it's interesting but I think if we're open to always learning, Mm-hmm. And, and, and in really sitting with something to make sense. And I think that's another big part of it. It sounds like you really take the time to sit with your clients because that's something that is so desperately needed, especially right now yeah. is to be able to sit with people and allow them to settle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, I saw again, so personally in my own health journey, just because I knew something, it wasn't changing in my body. Mm-hmm. I was, okay. Well, I'm taking the pill or I'm doing the physical therapy or I'm doing all the things that they're telling me to do and I'm still not seeing results so I know what I'm supposed to be doing I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing still not seeing results so what is that distance between those two points sure and so that's the really um it's almost magical place that you get into, Mm -hmm. you get into this sort of realm of healing and health.
0: Yeah. And you know, the way that I kind of look at the magical space is it's the unseen, but we know that there is communication actually happening in that unseen area. Yeah. Yeah. Lynn McTaggart. I don't know. She's another one that if you've read of any Lynn McTaggart's work, but I've referenced her in my upcoming newsletter, Mm -hmm. again, talking about the field and talking about sort of that unseen and then talking about the the collective intention, you know, how, if we collectively focus on positive and healing and just getting rid of some of the divisiveness, you know, I listen to NPR and I just want to cry half the time because of the the negativity and the war and the divisiveness across so many different areas in our, in our world. Yeah, it is. And, you know, that's like the big collective energy,
1: but also another thing I get into with my clients is kind of the, what I call the healing crisis, the space Mm -hmm. between and the, the, the meaningfulness of the unknown in our everyday life. Like, um, you have divorce or all of a sudden you have a back injury or something that isn't necessarily linear on the, oh, you know, I'm going about my life. I'm doing my thing. It's the space between kind of that's a little bit shocking. Like you, you have a change in your life. And what I found is a lot of times those are your, your body's cry for help as well. Mm-hmm. And so they're actually an opportunity. It's a little bit about what I shared about the, the acne like it was my body was actually clearing that in a very efficient way. Our skin is the largest organ in our body. And it was, it was like, okay, you have all this extra anger. You're you're shoving it down. You're not dealing with it. You're not breathing. You're not moving. You're not doing something with it. We're just going to let it come out your skin. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes a lot of the work has to do with just reframing what's happening in the person's life as perfectly normal, natural, and actually an opportunity Mm -hmm. to connect with themselves or a loved one in a deeper way. That, you know, possibly they're focused too much on work or they're stressed too much about the future that's like way out there that's really impossible to manage. And so when you get rid of or deprogram the guilt, the shame, the obligation, the shoulds, coulds, woulds. And a lot of times this is like family pressure of what somebody has to do. Their actual behavior might look exactly the same from the outside, mm-hmm. but it's how they feel about it. That's changed. And that right there sometimes can be the difference. Like that. They just, the, the I believe the body has a natural state of health. And if, like, it will, if you feed it the right fuel, you know, water, movement, not even necessarily lots of cardiovascular exercise, like we're told. Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. Especially for women. That's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) That is a whole other topic. We could come back to that one. (laughs) Um,
1: When you, when you feed it the right fuel, I actually believe the body's natural state is health. And so that gives you an idea of how much we are in what I call dissonance Mm
0: -hmm. and our body's
1: natural state is resonance. And so it's monumental, the amount of belief patterns we're managing. So sometimes it's literally permission that actually you're doing good. And you literally take this heavy cloak of like shame and guilt off your shoulders I had a client who had about 17 pounds of resistant weight loss, and he was literally a mountaineer who was going to Everest Base Camp on a regular basis. He was doing like 17 miles hiking a day and biking and all these things, and still couldn't lose this like belly fat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Very healthy, didn't just a very healthy diet. Did a lot of guilt and shame. Old. Um, I have a subconscious reprogramming forgiveness ritual. Mm-hmm. Did that with him. The man literally lost twenty pounds. He was in his pre-college weight. I had to teach him how to eat differently to like keep weight on, mm-hmm. like healthy weight on. Mm-hmm. It literally just dropped off of him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was all the the old stuff. It was, it was, you know, it was resentments and just kind of mental loops on past failures,
0: and you know,
1: should have, could have, would have, on his life.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Wow, that is absolutely, that's absolutely amazing. Are there particular themes that you see, or would you say that you have a very, you know, sort of general eclectic practice?
1: Um. It's rather eclectic. What I find fascinating is the people that come to me, I don't do a lot of advertising. Most everything is referral, word of mouth. And there's always something in my healing journey, my path, that is almost like an exact match, Mm. which you know, and if, even if it wasn't me, it was my dad or my mom or, you know, you know uh, an old partner or an old friend, there is something very resonant with our connection and yeah. us working together. And it's a very personal thing to be able to share the wisdom I gleaned from that situation in retrospect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I just find that always so fascinating because sometimes on the surface, I was like, oh, this is a really new energy. And then they share and it was like, oh, okay, this, that's what this is about. I
0: love it. I love it. Go
1: so deep and get so personal. Um, You know, I'm not a therapist. I will share stories about myself. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that's a nice way for people, you know, it's, it's storytelling Human evolution, that's how we learned for thousands of years. Like, that's storytelling is right. a very nice way to be able to convey something without being like, you need to do this. Um, so, it, it's really fun to be able to share things in such a personal way with my clients.
0: Yeah. Oh, I absolutely love it. And it's interesting. I, I oftentimes say that I was a, a, I'm a frustrated PCP in some ways, you know, in terms of taking care of the whole person and then wanting to look at, you know, both the, the physical aspects of things as well as the mind and body spirit. And then I also was very close to doing my PsyD so that I'd become a psychologist. And I say, you know what, I'm really grateful that I'm not that because I do get to share on an intimate level. And I feel that the more we can share intimately with people, the greater the healing experiences on both ends, you know? So it's just, you're right. It's about that resonance. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I,
1: I, especially of the, this, I actually have, I mean, there's a couple different reasons for this, but I have several friends that were, you know, marriage family therapists that decided to release their medical license or their, mm-hmm. their, their, their license.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: one part is that, and then also how they were, they were deciding to practice, but, um, like a funny little side note on that. I don't know if you ever watched The Sopranos, um, but one of the subplots was actually, like the big mob boss had a therapist. He would talk to her about everything. Well, she had a therapist and she talked to him about how are we actually enabling sociopathic behavior by not telling them, you know, no, it's not them. It's you, right. stop being a sociopath. <laughs> 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 obviously that's an extreme example. Sure, But I'm really passionate about that. Like, I'm not gonna just, I'm very empathic and I will listen, but I will also say, you have to have 100% personal responsibility to move into your healing journey.
0: Yes 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 uh, and that's that's a hard it's a hard call because again people are used to passing over all of their responsibility to the physician to heal them as opposed to taking action on their on their own so and many people don't want to take action on their own yeah. it's you know trying to help to get them to that place
1: well i mean this could be a whole nother podcast but that's built into the system and that's exactly why yep, it is that way um, i hear you it's that goes back actually thousands of years as well. When, with the formation of the the medical system in the structure of it actually started out with the priests and kind of the the white doctor that knew better, which took the power away from the the folk healers and that sort of thing that was normally like one person in a community that was the healer and the church and the powers that be realized how powerful that was to have somebody in these insular communities that had that much influence over the people, Mm -hmm. but they wanted power more centralized. So it was actually by design to take away, wait, you don't know your body. I know your body. You don't know how to get to God. I know how to get to God.
0: Sure. Sure. And
1: so that's something I'm very passionate about because when you give people back their power, initially it, it is a bit overwhelming, but they will actually see results.
0: Oh, I so I so agree. I was just actually thinking of uh, David Hawkins this morning about, you know, power versus force. I don't know if you read his book, but- um, I, very, I didn't read the book, but I'm very familiar. Yeah. yeah, so again, it's about taking power back, but also not, you know, not forcing people to into any one particular way of being, so. Oh yeah. my goodness. This is this is just <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> what three tips do you have to offer people in this confusing world of health? Well, you know, I think that the most important thing
1: if they're dealing with like an acute crisis is that sort of thing is is start off actually with what you know and, you know, go to your doctor and start there or but, but just to have a little bit of healthy skepticism. If it's not working, either ask questions mm. or go to somebody new or start talking to your friends and family is another thing. We don't talk to other people about it because we just think we're supposed to sh- keep this in hiding and talk to our doctor about it. So I think that the most important thing is to realize that you have a lot more options than most people realize. Mm-hmm. And if you're not getting results, go somewhere else. Great. Love it. Start, start to question <laughs> it and, and whatever that is in your comfort zone. And, you know, if you get results in the next place, cool. If you don't keep going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You Just know,
1: advocate. Exactly. And, you know, I'm really passionate. There's an interesting space where I actually believe that pain is meaningful. Mm -hmm. We don't have to suffer. And there's a very interesting window in there. And it's different for everyone, but I think it's kind of a three day window. Like, if you're in really bad pain, it shouldn't last more than three days. The body does not like extended periods of inflammation and pain. It's really detrimental to our system in so many ways. Mm-hmm. That means
0: go get help. Okay. Perfect.
1: Go get help. And if it still is if that person isn't able to help you and it's not pain pills, pain pills are not the cure.
0: No, no, no. I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. That's but the it's a three work. day window. Love it. Love it. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. Huh.
0: Yeah. And, and what's, then, your third, what's your third tip? The third tip would be check out
1: Bruce Lipton and Subconscious Reprogramming and realize. (laughs) Well, and it's a big one because. I mean, there's a lot of different teachers in that space, you know, Joe Dispenza and, and those sort of things. And at first they might seem a little bit out there, but basically we are all running around like eight-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And what that means is our subconscious programming is locked at, at about eight. Yeah. And so you can have all the best intentions in the world. This is why new year's resolutions don't normally work for people. Mm-hmm. Have All the best intentions in the world but you have a subconscious programming that's locked at eight years old. So you are fighting just this giant mountain that you probably don't even realize exists. And then you'll beat yourself up and then you'll get into more guilt and shame loops about it. And that is just a never ending cycle unless you get into subconscious reprogramming. And there's lots of different ways you can access it some of the modalities are really simple like I have a forgiveness ritual it could take you eight minutes you know so they're actually a lot easier to access than fighting yourself and willpower some of this stuff you can't willpower your way out of sure and it's just it's just a thing I wish I knew about earlier that we all beat ourselves up on for not doing the thing we actually want to do. And there's a much bigger reason why we're not doing it. Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah, love it. That's wonderful. And how can people get in touch with you? Uh, Well, I have, I will
1: have, leave the details with you, Mm -hmm. but I have a website. It's saw-raw.com. Okay. and. my email is saw at saw-raw.com. And, you know, those are the two easiest ways. And I really love talking with people because again, you can't look at my, my uh, resume and, and, and glean how I work with people. Sure. It's so individual. It's so specific and I have so many different modalities and how to work with people
0: lots of lots of tools in your toolbox yeah
1: and i mean the big things that i end up working with people are like divorce transition you know it might be acute depression anxiety are really big ones if they really can't figure it out from any other doctor or provider and it's been kind of long-standing but nobody really knows what's going on.
0: Mm, mm -hmm.
1: You know, they're kind of suffering, but they don't really know why. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ends up being what people find me for.
0: Awesome, I love it, I love it. And I love the fact that you're approachable, that you have an email that people can reach out to or connect with you for a phone call or a Calendly or whatever it might be. So thank you so much for being here today and sharing your wisdom. And if you like this podcast, please rate, review, and share it with your friends, your family, your coworkers. I'm on a mission to change the current paradigm of healthcare and mental healthcare. And you can find me at juliefreeman.net, on Instagram at juliefreemanmindfulwellness, and on YouTube at juliefreemanfunctionalmedicine, La Jolla. Until next time.